We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Thank you so much for tuning in to Weird Distractions Podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate in discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, urban legends, and conspiracy theories to provide you, and more than likely, what your nearby dog surfing instructor would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week we are back discussing a true crime case, but before we dive into said case and before we get a little distracted learning about said case, I need to go over a little bit of housekeeping and, of course, I need to tell you what I need a distraction from. In terms of housekeeping, to celebrate three years of weird distractions, I'm going to do an Instagram Live Q&A on Wednesday, April 19th at 7pm Eastern Standard Time. Woohoo! If you have any burning questions you want me to read during the live show, please either DM me or email me. You can email me at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com and you can DM me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever social media platform you would like. Speaking of which, my need for a distraction this week is I am nervous for doing an Instagram live. I don't know what it is about live shows because I'm always suggesting to our network like, hey, we should do a live show. We should do a live show. There's part of me that really likes doing it, but there's the other part of me, the bigger part of me that's very much like, ah, anxiety. People are going to see me. People are going to hear me, which is kind of ironic because hello, hi, I've been doing this for three years now. So my need for distraction is I'm a little bit nervous about the live show. Don't ask why. I think it's just my everyday anxiety getting a little amped up. But without further ado, let's get into this week's distraction. Originally for this week's true crime episode, I had a pretty heavy case picked out. And because I have chatted about some heavier cases as of recent, I decided to kind of save that case for a future Patreon episode and decided on today's case as it wasn't as heavy in comparison. With that said, this week's case takes us to California within the United States as I tackled the geezer bandit case. Was he a senior citizen robbing banks for two years? Or is this a case of someone hiding behind a mask? Due to potential coarse language and adult themes that some may find disturbing, listener discretion is advised. The year was 2009. Mel and Robin Gibson broke up, Lady Gaga released the album Fame Monster, and Kanye West interrupted Taylor Swift at the VMAs. It seemed to be a year of big, memorable moments, especially for folks working in banks within the state of California. You could say that what happened from 2009 to 2011 robbed these folks of their memories forever. On August 28th of 2009, what seemed to be an elderly man entered the U.S. bank in Sanity, California. This man, who has been described as Caucasian, between 5'10 to 6 foot tall and was seen carrying a leather case, proceeded to the teller without saying anything at first, but then slid her a note demanding money before showing the teller a revolver from his said leather briefcase. One note, according to an America's Most Wanted episode, read, quote, give me $50,000 or I will murder you. Whoa, slow down. 
Once the money had been given, this man, usually donning some kind of a hat, proceeded to then walk out of the bank calmly and seemingly escaped without any issue. From that first August 2009 date, this unknown man robbed a total of 16 banks. And direct quote from an ABC article, quote, The first 11 robberies in San Diego and Riverside County share characteristics with another robbery that took place in the town of Bakersfield, according to the FBI. In the first 11 episodes, which took place from August 2009 through June 2010, the robber showed a demand note, asked for cash, pointed a revolver at tellers, and threatened them with a gun if they did not comply, end quote. As mentioned, this bandit appears to be elderly. However, not everyone who has crossed paths with him is convinced that he is as old as he seems. A bank teller by the name of Melissa, whose bank was robbed by the geezer bandit in 2011, gave a very different description and had some very interesting thoughts. In an interview, Melissa indicated how the bandit did not appear to be in a hurry when he came into the Heritage Oaks Bank in Morrow Bay, where she worked. He proceeded to ask her and her colleague for both of their tills and indicated he wanted no bills with dye packs or else he would return. Weirdly enough, Melissa reportedly noticed how it seemed like this person was wearing a mask. When he first came in, the color of his face seemed very off. He seemed sick at first when he was far away. And then as he got closer, it, being his face, seemed almost waxy, and I noticed that there was a circular hole right in the center of the ear. This description by Melissa of the geezer bandit validated a previous suggestion made by others that the geezer bandit wasn't actually a geezer, but rather someone wearing an elderly-faced mask. The mask theory led investigators to the company SPFX Masks and owner Rusty Slusser, as some in the community believe the mask could have been one of theirs. The police had sought out a mass list of individuals who had bought that specific Caucasian elderly man mask from SEFX Masks to see if they could track down their geezer bandit. Unfortunately, investigators never found their lead. On the brief mention of SPFX Masks, it turns out the company was also in the news during the same time for other related crimes. In December of 2010, a man from Cincinnati, Ohio, who was a Caucasian, used the mask of a black man from SPFX masks in order to commit various robberies. Conrad Zederak, who was in his 30s when he was arrested in 2010, pled guilty in Hamilton County Court to one count of aggravated robbery and five counts of robbery in a plea deal with prosecutors. According to a Daily Mail article, quote, Conrad stole about $15,000 in the robberies of four banks, a credit union, and a pharmacy that occurred in March and April. Crimes in which witnesses reported that the robber was black in surveillance video appeared to show a black man. But Conrad wasn't the only one sporting one of Rusty's SP FX masks in 2010. According to a City News article dated November 5th of 2010, a young man of Asian descent reportedly boarded an Air Canada flight from Hong Kong to Vancouver. The goop of this situation is that he presented wearing an elderly silicone mask during the flight, and supposedly all he showed was an aeroplane card and a boarding pass to get on this flight. Staff noticed, in retrospect, that something was off when they saw the man's hands presenting very young-looking in comparison to his face, but maybe they just kind of assumed that he moisturizes his hands really well and maybe not his face and just basically allowed him to go on the flight. The man donned this mask until he went to the washroom, where after he returned to his seat without wearing it. So basically, he went mask off as soon as he went to the bathroom, which 
You would think you'd keep your mask on in an airplane bathroom, but that's just me. Based on reports, it seems as if he was just seeking refuge in Canada, but alas, it rose some major red flags, especially to the mask's creator being Rusty. Turns out that Rusty was called by officials for the Cincinnati investigation on top of the user bandit robberies in California. My reaction was very embarrassed and shocked, Rusty told ABC News in their article from December 9th of 2010. Rusty further stated, quote, we made these masks for people to have fun with end quote. Come December 2nd of 2011, the geezer bandit robbed his last bank. He entered the Bank of America in San Luis Obispo at around 5.39 p.m. According to the FBI website, the robber approached one of the tellers carrying what has been described as a day planner tucked beneath his right arm. In hindsight, this was probably done in order to make it seem like he was there to conduct a legitimate banking transaction. He reportedly placed a day planner on the counter before following his typical motive, sliding over a demand note and making a verbal demand for cash. He then presented a revolver handgun from a white plastic bag he had. The man threatened the teller that he would shoot if she didn't comply with his commands, which she did, except this time was different. The teller put in some cash with security die packs, also known as the Intelligent Banknote Neutralization System, or IBNS. This system, which reportedly began in the 1980s, is an anti-theft system that basically shows if the wad of cash some thief made off with has been stolen, either with radio-controlled die packs or using a colored smoke. So as the geezer bandit was probably on his merry little way out of the bank, thinking he just made away with another crime, the die pack exploded, covering the bandit and the cash in red dye. The surveillance video shows the robber dropped to his knees in an attempt to gather some of the money and his belongings once the explosion went off. After trying to gather what he could as quickly as possible, the geezer bandit was seen sprinting away across the bank parking lot. Eyewitnesses would report to authorities that they saw a white BMW, possibly a 5 Series, flee the area shortly after the bank robbery. However, it is not known if this BMW is connected in any way, shape, or form, but it's just something to keep mind of. This Bank of America robbery in December of 2011 would end the at least 16 accused connected robberies tied to the geezer bandit. There was an alleged copycat of the geezer bandit that popped up in 2012 within the Green Bay area who robbed the Citibank in Belmont. This robber used the exact same motive as the former geezer bandit. However, Special Agent Darrell Foxworth told News 8, quote, When you look at the facts, circumstances, and the physical description, they are inconsistent with the geezer bandit suspect. There is no indication that the bank robbery in Belmont is related to the Geezer Bandit series here in Southern California. And with that, I'm going to close up shop and wrap up this week's episode. This episode may be a shorter one, but it's certainly a weird one. To this day, no one knows the true identity of the Geezer Bandit. From what I have gathered in my research, if the Geezer Bandit was discovered in 2023, they may not be charged due to the statute of limitations for bank robbery. From the Guinean Law website, bank robbery has a federal statute of limitations of five years. California's statute of limitations on bank robbery, depending on any aggravating circumstances, is three to six. So that can mean that this bank robber, aka the Geezer Bandit, 
got away with all these crimes. Which makes me wonder what they're doing now. Like, do you think they're just sitting at home watching Netflix and pretending as if they didn't commit all these bank robberies for two years? Or do you think that they've maybe left the country or in a different state doing the exact same thing, just maybe with a different MO? Let me know your thoughts over on the podcast social media accounts or shoot me an email. And let me know if you'd like me to cover cases like this again in the future. Don't forget to come on Instagram for the Q&A live show to celebrate three years of weird distractions and to watch me be an anxious wreck. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday, April 19th. Hope to see you then. Once again, got any questions, send them my way. Just no math questions or I will immediately block you. But yeah, hope to see you there. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming Weird Distractions or any podcast on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a rating or review, please consider leaving a rating or review because that is the best way and the cheapest way, because it's free, to support your favorite podcasts. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an episode is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find Weird Distractions over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and on TikTok. Do you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month? Why not join one of two tiers over on the Weird Distractions Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content, such as bonus episodes and bonus series, such as the Even Weirder series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early and ad-free access to regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Jennifer, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you and appreciate your support so much. Without you, Weird Distractions may not be what it is today. Lastly, I want to hear from you. I would love to collect your stories of paranormal encounters, too close to home true crime cases, maybe even some weird MLM experiences, or maybe just in general weird things that you've encountered so that I can continue to release the Listener Distractions series. And you might be tuning in for the first time and you might not know what I'm talking about. This is a series that Christy and I originally started where we would read your personal experiences on air. If you have a story you want to share, please email me at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections needed to be made after today's episode, please let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye.